And there came a day, a day unlike any other, when the natural culminations of a definitely planned and not at all ham-fisted shared cinematic universe called upon its weirdest heroes to fight the foes no normal hero could withstand. On that day, the Avengers were born. into a theater near you it's the equalizers a bi-weekly podcast for two idiots drop a cinema sibling in the lap of a perfectly content solo film my name is mike knoll and i am joined as always by the sequel to my prequel the iron to my man the captain to my america madison jones madison jones are you in good form i know what it's like to lose to feel so desperately that you're right yet to fail nonetheless it's frightening turns the legs to jelly I ask you, to what end? Dread it. Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. And now it is here. Or should I say, I am. That classic line from Avengers Endgame. Uh, As we're recording this, that movie's been out for about a month now. And Madison, you confided in me that last week, you finally saw Infinity War. That's correct. And, And Homecoming. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so give it another three years and madison will have seen endgame that's really funny because i was visiting uh, my roommate uh other mike last night and he said exactly so you'll see it in three years right mm-hmm. so uh so if you haven't picked up this is it this is the moment we've been building for this is the avengers the combination of all the bullshit we have birthed into uh, the world in the last year and a half, right? 51 episodes we've been building for this. It's felt um, like 51 years. <laughs> so much like the Avengers themselves, Madison, we have a team behind us. And so let's get them out. Let's get them on the field. They've been dusting off their cleats. They've been doing the stretches. First, we have the once in future guest and our captive judge, Jackson Eflin. Jackson, welcome back to the Equalizers. Hi, thanks for having me back. We also have comrade and weed dog enthusiast, Daniel Nah. Now, I might have gotten confused as to the purpose of this episode, because in preparation, I did watch the XXX Avengers 2 parody instead of... <laughs> was, was I supposed to be watching something else? No, we're, we're just going to talk about that. This is just a breakdown, scene by scene. Excellent. All right, then I'm sad. I got a oh, lot yeah. of notes here. How would y'all do, like, a sequel to a porno? It would just be a birth. (laughs) (laughs) And we have, making her triumphant return, confirmed servant of Satan, Kylie Neal. Kylie, welcome back. It's good to be back, Mike. It has been a blue moon since we last saw you for Ghost Ship and Treasure Planet 2. I wish you would stop telling people about the servant of Satan thing, but (laughs) Uh, (laughs) here we are. I mean... Well, we'll have to have you back to do a movie about cool dogs and weed or something, because all I have <laughs> yeah. is the Satan movie. Fair enough. Yeah. Our six-tentacled riddle squid friend, Kyle. <laughs> the old god. 
the old god kylie neal that's it officially now that's it the old god um i've written this pitch and i realized quickly that the most interesting thing to do would be to have some of the dialogue so of course we needed to assemble our friends (laughs) this is good content um so oh i get it now that's why i i don't get it can you explain it to me it's like in, yes. how in Pinocchio you had to like build Pinocchio and then make him a real boy. To make this pitch a real uh, pitch, it has to be assembled and then go through three trials and then be blessed by the Blue Fairy. That's exactly correct. Okay. It's kind of like this episode's a homunculus or like a Frankenstein monster, if you will, mm-hmm. of everything we've ever done. Well, specifically 27 films. Much like the 27 pieces of Osiris after he was killed by his brother Set. That has to be reassembled. Whoa, spoilers for my movie, Jackson. <laughs> Someone make a math pun. I mean, 27's a number. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with that, Matt, so you might as well launch. <laughs> Did somebody say... Math? math. The math is out there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Welcome back to Madison's Math Facts. Again, uh, math stands for Madison's Amazing Tidbits of Heatfulness, which is basically just movie trivia that sometimes has numbers and math in it. And it's it's really great. I think it's the best bit on the whole podcast. Hmm. So in preparation for this, just because we're doing a lot of our movies and everything, and it's like the whole Avengers thing, I decided to look up like random pieces of trivia from different uh, Avengers movies. So, math fact number one. Meth facts are also <laughs> math acceptable. Facts. That's harder to say than you think. It, it is. So, math fact number one. They had to use ramps in Thor The Dark World for the kiss scene between Natalie Portman and Crims- Crims Hemsworth. <laughs> the Crimson Hemsworth. And the Crimson Hemsworth. <laughs> uh, and Chris Hemsworth. Because of their height difference. Natalie Portman is 5'3", while Chris Hemsworth is 6'3", which is a whole 13 and a half inches of difference between them. They had to install ramps in every single kissing or whatever. Math blasted! <laughs> Do you suppose they call them, like, kissing ramps? Smooch scooches. Smooch scooches. <laughs> Lift ladders. Yeah. They didn't have to do that for the porno version. <laughs> no, they didn't. Both actors were the same height. They had ramps, but for a super different reason. <laughs> yeah. Math fact number two. During the filming of Winter Soldier, Sebastian Stan would walk around all day practicing his moves with a plastic knife because he wanted his movements to feel natural. Math blasted. They also had plastic weapons in the porno version. <laughs> yeah. Daniel, those weren't weapons. <laughs> Everything's a weapon if you hold it right. You know, they had the Red Guardian in that. That was a really weird deep hole. She fucked the Winter uh, Soldier. Deep pull? Uh, <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Tight, 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 tight. Alright, math fact number three. Aunt May's car in Spider-Man Homecoming is AMF-1562. AMF stands for Amazing Fantasy 15, and 15 is the in- issue number. And 62 is, for 1962, the year Spider-Man first appeared. Math blasted! Spider-Man was Ooh. also in the porn version, and he, he fucked uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Oh, that's not correct shipping. So, did the web shooter... So, so which way did it happen? So, did, like, webs come out of his dick? 
or did uh, sperm come out of his wrist? Well, see, it was, like, weird, because, like, he was dating Captain Marvel, but then uh, she, like, cheated on him with Hawkeye, and so he got shot with the symbiote by Hydra, and then he, like, fucked a Hydra guard. Is that a euphemism? Yeah. Wow, so much is happening in this story. Can we just read the the plot of this movie instead? (laughs) (laughs) No, I've spent so long working on this, I'll fucking kill you. Those really great math facts are done. Alright, well, I feel like it wouldn't be right if I didn't bring in at least one Daddy's Tomatoes. And I found it, and it is the peak tomato we've ever had, Madison. So much so that as of today, I'm retiring this segment from regular use. Okay. So this review is for the Avengers movie, Marvel's The Avengers. The first one? The first one. Okay. It is by Wyatt G, who gave this five stars. And what follows is 13 and a half Google pages. That's all the dialogue from the B movie. Wow. (laughs) And that's the review. Oh my God. (laughs) I thought that would get a way bigger response. <laughs> I was going to say something about the wasp. Like, are you think they were really upset that the wasp wasn't there? But the wa- a wasp isn't a bee. Yeah, Jesus, Madison. <laughs> so at this point, Mike, is this where you would insert the uh, entirety of the bee movie into this audio for the listener? Or This is going to be too long, or I'd include the thing where it's the bee movie, but every time they say bee, it doubles in speed, and that's still like 11 minutes long somehow. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll just move on. I guess it's time then. We kind of hop-skipped right through the opening, but this is a beefy boy of a, of a pitch, so... Big beefy boy. The beefiest boy you ever did see. Beefy boy is my favorite Young Justice character. Also a character in the porn version. <laughs> <laughs> That's obviously not canonical to Marvel. Although I guess we could ask our expert on Marvel beefy boys, Daniel, if the beefiest boy is a... I like the thing Kylie's doing with her eyebrows. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Daniel, uh, beefiest boy. Uh, <laughs> All right. The way I figured this is, Daniel, you will be Luigi Mario. Madison, you will be Sky Captain of Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow. Okay. Before we start this, you should explain what we're doing since it's a little bit different from our format. Yeah, so I have written a pitch for this Avengers film, and I'm going to be reading the exposition and also reading the part of Colonel Hannibal Smith, played by Liam Neeson in the A-Team and the A-Team 2, Private Enterprise. And the rest of my fabulous friends here will be doing some of the other dialogue, mostly of the other Avengers, but also some of those fun side characters that I, I came up with for this. Like, we're just gonna just kind of have a goof around here. Is Squirrel Girl gonna show up? Maybe. Mm, you know, who knows? So, we open on. It's snowing merrily on the Holiday Inn, a full moon overhead. Two figures are approaching the front door. Only one of them is leaving footprints and casting a shadow in the moonlight. Crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> we see... I hate you. Am I we doing the Foley work? Who's doing the no. Foley work? <laughs> Somebody can if they want, I guess. But. Crunch, 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 crunch. Merry crunch, Christmas! Crunch, crunch. Ding dong, merrily and hot. Mer- that's the, that's the, uh... This is gonna be miserable. The charity <laughs> Santa outside? I, actually, we probably can't Got get it. the actual charity, yeah. so this is just a nondescript charity Santa. Mm. We're gonna be here all night. <laughs> yep. We see one of them, presumably the shadowless slash treadless one, is Dracula, famously the holiday avatar of Valentine's Day. He turns to the other figure who's still buttoned up. 
he offers the hooded figure a small book of Punxsutawney Larry's matches. Tell Rage, this makes us square! The hooded figure takes the matches and moves through the inn, passing the tooth fairy drunk at the bar trying to feel people's teeth. On the TV above the bar is a repeat of The Lobster 2, The Lobsters. We see the girl Colby handing a marriage certificate to a cop. George Washington moves in front of the TV, just ahead of the coated figure with a whiskey neat. The figure moves into place among the observers of a poker game. We can see the burning tips of five cigars in a nearly impenetrable cloud of smoke surrounding the table's players. The coated figure pulls their own cigar from a pocket. They light it with a match from the book Dracula gave them. One of the players, obscured by smoke, cocks his head. We see white hair and a red coat, vaguely in the haze. The hand ends. The white hair player collects the chips, and the other players are tapped out. The white-haired man speaks, and we hear Kurt Russell's Santa Claus call out. Since the Count decided not to play tonight, maybe his friend would like to try his hand. Panatella's Club 21 in New York, unless I'm mistaken. Specifically made for one person. The crowd parts to let the coated man through. He sheds his coat to reveal Colonel Hannibal Smith. He sits. As he does, we pan to below the smoke cloud. We see Santa, the Easter Bunny, Uncle Sam, Baby New Year, and Flag Day Bear around the table. <laughs> now very interested in him. <laughs> I didn't bring any money. Yeah, what did you bring? Hannibal places a business card on the table. The logo in the corner is the globe, like the earth, with what appears to be a lightning bolt over it. Around the edges of the globe, we see the words Superhuman Advanced Research Department, which is a fun inside joke for Madison because we tried to write a superhero comic one time and this was our shield yes. group. Uh, shard. Oh, I see. The name on the card is Director Marcus Rage. <laughs> A job. Santa starts shuffling. You can know me. And I don't get involved in that sort of thing. I don't prevent anyone from doing anything. I give them the chance to be good and then punish them if they do bad. He deals the cards. So do these same rules apply to you? Is there a Santa Claus who delivers coal or presents to you? Like in Chicago when you helped that boy get his head on straight. Did you get a shiny new fire engine for your trouble? He throws some chips into the middle of the table. Job satisfaction. I'd know what would happen if I did bad. I know because I don't get involved. If I don't get involved, I can't do bad. He throws chips in the middle of the table. Smart. Santa flips three cards and they steady their hands. Let's say, hypothetically speaking, someone came to you and said there was trouble brewing. That special kind of trouble that needs a special kind of attention. I say I know a fellow who's got a whole team of boys who specialize in that kind of trouble. Lives in Los Angeles and rides around in a cherry black van. They throw their chips in and another card is flipped. I've heard of him. He gets the best of the best. The special kind of trouble's too big for his boy, so he goes recruiting. Finds a real heavy hitter, but the heavy hitter says no. Sounds like a smart man. Chips and cards flip again. Probably the smartest of the whole lot of them, but they really need him for this one. And if he says no, a lot of people are going to get hurt, or worse. This is all really funny, Colonel, but the answer is still no. I get involved in this, questions about why I didn't get involved before, why I didn't get involved the next time start cropping up. He lays his cards down. He's won. Hannibal gets to his feet. What if we play for it? Don't make ragers can't afford to lose, Colonel. I learned that the hard way. See? Smart. But let me put it to you like this. Maybe I'm your chance. Here I am, with an opportunity to do good. Can you afford the price if you say no and the rules do apply to you? Hanwell puts his coat on. Reaching deep into a pocket, he pulls out a lump of coal and tosses it onto the table in front of Santa. For your trouble. He heads for the door of the Holiday Inn. Everyone is in stunned silence at Hannibal's brazenness. As he opens the door to leave the inn, we hear the sound of Santa coal dusting out. He's standing by his sleigh. This one job? Naturally. I still owe me for the game. Of course. You mentaled this, didn't you? Big damn grand show. Hannibal lights a cigar. 
I love it. Don't. We cut to Delfino Plaza. In the half dusk, we see a Pianta statue on a granite plinth. Two soldiers, one bigger, played by Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and the other, smaller, with a baseball cap, played by Tom Holland, both with full, shaggy, bordering on overgrown surfer-length heads of brown hair in the uniform of the crossed wrench and plunger, scuttle past. Floods in the attack position on their backs, which is like spray, if you've ever played Super Mario Sunshine. Yeah. They put their backs to the plinth and check for bogeys. They gesture off-screen, and more wrench heads, the logical nickname of soldiers for the People's Mushroom Republic, bustle onto the scene. They crouch here, making a makeshift camp, securing the square. The first two start chatting. Who's Comrade One? Oh, God. Somewhere ahead. This one's personal for him, dude. I've heard stories, donk. What kind of sick bastard digs up a corpse? The wizard's a special kind of evil, little bro. A female wrench head with shoulder-length blonde hair, played by Anna Ferris and binoculars, is scanning the horizon. I advise on Comrade One. We're on the move. The squad moves out. They hustle around empty fruit stalls. They turn the corner into the town square. We see the broken and ancient shine gate looming overhead. A lone figure on a rooftop sporting a flood signals them to stop. He gestures towards a tower just ahead. An unnatural light sparks from the top windows. The figure switches to hover and drops into their midst. He steps from the shadows and we see Comrade One, Luigi Mario. Kong Squad, fall in! Luigi begins laying out a siege plan, a real military type slicing the pie SWAT team assault tactic that doesn't matter because we the audience see the shadowy alleys in the distance light up with the glowing eyes of a flock of Mecha Yoshis. <laughs> Before the blonde Kong can call it out the Mecha Yoshis attack, the squad opens fires their floods and a vicious battle ensues. We see Mecha Yoshis tackle squad mates off screen and hear the scream of a PG-13 violent death. Luigi is holding his own, <laughs> all the while keeping an eye on the tower. As Donkey Kong falls to the Mecha Yoshis, Luigi switches to hover, wall jumps into the air, and lands on a rooftop. Running as fast as he can, he goes rooftop to rooftop, making his way to the tower one step ahead of the Yoshis. He hovers up to the window, a Mecha Yoshi's teeth clamped on one of his calves. Inside the tower, we see a Dr. Frankenstein slash Wolverine Weapon X scene. A PG-13 nude Mario in a tank of science water? Wait, wait, wait. Is that half butt or just like just butt shot? Or it's that it's that like curled up in the fetal position, naked oh, okay. shot. Sort of like Terminator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. How wet is he? Oh, I mean, he's he's submerged in a tank of science water. So got it. Pretty wet. Pretty wet. Cool. Continue. Arguably the wettest. The wettest he could be. Electricity crackles as a form of liquid metal is bonding to Mario's skin. Oh my God. We see Kamek. Dana, you said comic when this in this one. I've always pronounced it Kamek, so that's how I'm going that's to pronounce fine. it, but it's not a big deal. Yeah, we see Kamek the Wizard. I have a casting for this, but I know it might be slightly controversial, so I'm going to open the floor to alternate casting. But I looked at a picture of Kamek, and I could only see one person in the Mario Bros. universe playing this, and that is Josh Gad. Okay. Hmm. I know that some people don't care for that one, so if, if anybody has an alternate casting that strikes me as better, then we can go with that. But I can live with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was thinking Alan Alda, but it's okay. <laughs> Alan Alda, jeez. I'm Josh Glad with either option. Wow. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right, so electricity crackles as a form of liquid metal is bonding with Mario's skin. We see Kamek, the wizard. Luigi opened fires at the controls. The water short-circuits the panel and electricity arcs dangerously throughout the room. Luigi dodges the bolts in one-on-one combat with Kamek's magic. He gets knocked down and sees the middle Mario starting to finalize. Whispering an apology to his fallen brother, he destroys the tank. Kamek, in his rage, magically hurls Luigi out of the window. We watch in slow motion as Luigi falls from the tower to his death, desperately trying to get his flood working and coming up dry. 
He looks up and we see Kamek looking out of the window and waving cheerily. We fade from falling Luigi to the open sky full of clouds. A fancy military jet shoots through the cloud cover, terrassing through the sky. It crests the clouds and presses towards the oblivion of space. The black-helmeted pilot is steady as a rock. Captain, this is ground control. Your instruments are stalling. Over. A bit further, Dex. Just testing the, uh, upper atmospheric stabilizing rotors? Over. Copy, Joe. Over. Hold on, what? Look, you can just say you don't know what control to use. And for the last time, my name isn't Dext. It's Arnold! The part of Arnold played in perpetuity by Brian David Gilbert. Oh my god. The engine dies and the plane crests for two full seconds of tranquil beauty where the earth meets the stars in harmony. Then the earth claims it and the plane begins plummeting. The radio is alive with ground control, issuing advice, readings, and general ground control chatter. We hear Sky Captain hurriedly flipping switches and turning dials. It's okay. I know what I'm doing. You read the manual this time? Of course I didn't. Flying is instinct. <laughs> so you keep saying, look, Captain, if you can't pull up soon, you'll have to eject. Where on your flight plan are you? Didn't file one. I hate you. Suddenly, the chatter stops and the plane levels. Huh. Must be getting the hang of this. Remote autopilot initiated. We hear Idris Elba's voice, and I'm going to do a very poor approximation, but... Captain, this is Rage. We have a situation. He pulls free the oxygen mask part, and we finally see Jude Law's handsome face. What kind of situation? We hear the muted of radio chatter in the headset. What are the odds? Another and after a couple more seconds. Manual control begins in three, two, one. Dex, this is Sky Captain. I'm bringing her in. Remind me, how does the GPS work? Back in the People's Mushroom Republic, Luigi is in and out of consciousness. We see Kamek standing over him. Sometimes there are other henchmen, and once we see Daisy's dad, the king. We hear the phrase, embedded, and no idea how he's still alive. All throughout we hear a faint voice we almost recognize calling Luigi's name. It gets louder with each blink. Near the end, we hear, send him to your outsider friend. I need her tech, and she needs a warm body. Luigi blacks out. We hear the distant sound of Mario Mario yell Luigi's name, and then Luigi opens his eyes, and we see Jan Thorncrest, played by Jennifer Aniston, uh, the head of the Illuminati, sitting in a chair on the other side of a cell door. Welcome back to the land of the living. We cut to New Zebedee, Michigan. Santa Say lands in front of the house. It's darker here. Clouds obscuring the moon lend the scene in eerie half-light darkness. Hannibal and Santa get out of the sled. They approach the front door, and Hannibal does a whole spiel about letting him do the talking, how odd these people are, etc. Santa agrees to keep quiet. They ring the bell, and Mrs. Florence Zimmerman answers. She looks maybe a couple years older than she did in the first Clockhouse movie, probably because magic sludge aging or some other reason shut up its fun. Ah, uh, Chris. Flo, you're looking good. Mrs. Zimmerman, my name is... I don't care what your name is, Colonel Smith. Flo... This is important. I'm very much aware of how important, Christopher, which is why your director rage cannot have it. Good day. Flo tries to shut the door, but Santa puts a boot in the door. Ooh, that was a fun repetitive sentence. <sighs> I'm going to have to insist this time, Flo. Are you getting involved, Chris? One time. Extreme circumstances. She goes into the house, leaving the door open. A clear invitation. Santa goes to enter. Hannibal holds him back a sec. So, you and... Uh, she's my wife's cousin. That's not an answer, Chris. It wasn't meant to be. And Santa enters the house. Hannibal laughs as he lights the cigar, then follows. As he crosses the threshold, the cigar vanishes. That was my last one. They enter the study, and Hannibal notices a robe-like garment draped over a chair. He opens his mouth to ask a question, and without turning around, Mrs. Florence Zimmerman says, 
It's a kimono. Chant enters with a tea tray on its cushion. Mrs. Z starts pouring. Santa looks around. No, Lewis. Grimoire. There's some sort of dimensional rumblings. As deacon, they needed his opinion. You have a lovely home, Mrs. Zimmer. Small talk, Colonel. You don't strike me as the type. She holds up a small cup of tea. Tea? Whiskey, if you have it. She smiles approvingly, snaps, turns silver to the teapot twice, and hands him the teacup now full of whiskey. Let's be frank, Colonel. You want Zathora. You cannot have Zathora. It's been in my care for almost over 40 years, and it's more powerful than you know. You know who's coming for it, right? No one I haven't dealt with before. You see, Colonel, in... 1962, the Custis House, Arlington National Cemetery. You and the Barnevelt subdued President John F. Kennedy, who was possessed by the Book of Death. I've read your vape file, Mrs. Zimmerman. I beg your pardon? Verified activity and previous engagements. That seems contrived. I don't name the files. Well, if you know about JFK, then you know I can handle this myself. I'm also the only one of you who's seen her, Colonel. You are asking her to trust someone she knows nothing about. Colonel Hannibal Smith, ex-airborne ranger, arrested for crimes he didn't commit. He and his men escaped from maximum security prisons to the Los Angeles underground. Still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. I don't know if I phrase it exactly like that, but... (laughs) You don't seem surprised I know everything about you. I just played poker with a bar full of mythological beings. Parlor tricks don't phase me. Parlor tricks? No, Hannibal Smith is not phased, so Hannibal Smith has a plan. I don't need one, Mrs. Zimmerman. Are you going to try and overpower me, Colonel? I'm not sure that's what Hannibal had in mind, Flo. He's right, but they will. And they will. Shard can keep it safe. The house is secure, Colonel. Dozens of would-be Illuminati assassins and thieves have tried their little games. They even went so far as to kill Lewis's parents and implant one of their own children into the school to befriend him. Luckily, the boy was already enough of a little shit that he alienated Lewis and was reassigned to Poughkeepsie. The house endures. As for Shard, let me give you some advice. Never trust an acronym. Bureaucracy breeds corruption. Hannibal sits looking at Mrs. Zimmerman, formulating his next tactic. There's a knock at the door. Mrs. Z answers it. We see Steve, Rami, and Michelle are outside. (laughs) They have friends behind them that are out of focus on screen. Hi, we're here for Zathura? Miss Warren Zimmerman declines. She doesn't know who they or their friends are. She trails off like that because as she actually looks at the friends and realizes it's exact clones of Steve, Rami, and Michelle. There are nine of them, three pairs of each on the front porch. Colonel, were you expecting backup? I told Rage I didn't need any. They enter the hall and see the clones. They don't look like backup. They're not. Close the door. Mrs. Florence Zimmerman starts to close the door, but a furry, clawed hand stops her. She looks up horrified to find the clouds parting to show the full moon. All nine Steves, Rami, and Michelles are turning into werewolves. Okay, God. The CG slash makeup is such that we still have a pretty good idea which werewolves are Steve, Rami, or Michelle. They bound into the house. Mrs. Fort and Zimmerman throwing up warding magic to keep them from eating her alive. Hannibal draws his sidearm and begins firing point blank into them as Santa pulls a great big fucking baseball bat from inside his coat and starts whacking them with it. One of the wolves claws it in half, so he pulled us into the air and pile drives that werewolf through the floor. Soaring out of a nearby room, the recliner comes fucking flying into two of the werewolves. <laughs> a third steps to it, and the chair pumps the footrest into its jaw in a chair equivalent of an uppercut. 
Santa starts coal dusting away, leading a Steve werewolf deeper into the house. Mrs. Fort Zimmerman calls out directions to the back room and a lead-lined box covered in sigil wards. We see Santa coal dust into that fucking creepy-ass doll room. He's tired and cornered. Then the dolls mob the werewolf, and we hear Steve's wolf getting beaten up by puppets. They unpile and go back to their shelves. The Steve wolf is alive but barely conscious. Santa gives him a good kick in the gut, and a little fart comes out because his house with a clock in the walls lives and dies with fart humor. Santa reacts sharply. It smells bad. He wafts the air and asks, incredulous, What are they feeding you? He staggers out of the room, dragging the wolf. We see him leave with the box in frame. Then, seemingly by magic, it lifts off the shelf, turns sideways, and moves off screen. They reconvene in the foyer, surveying the damage. Perhaps you aren't entirely useless, Colonel. Likewise, Mrs. Z. Ugh, I hate that. They've bonded a bit here. There's a brisk and officious knock at the door. Okay, that's Shard. Mrs. Florence Zimmerman opens the door, and we're met with a pleasantly smiling Shard agent, Nathan Knight, played here in their star-making turn by none other than Madison Jones. Sorry, sorry, I meant James Corden. British. What is he? Just, like, just no, stick with whatever you were about to do. Oh, okay. Whatever is fine. Colonel Smith? Mrs. Zimmerman? Santa? The chair makes some kind of concertative noise. Chair? Can we be of assistance? I think we have it now, Knight. In the game? Mrs. Zimmerman has... Agreed to hand it over to your director, Rage. But she comes with it. You sure, Flo? Clearly our enemies have upped their game, and so must I. Clone werewolves. I hate the 21st century. Follow me. They move to the back room, stepping over the unconscious werewolves. Creepy critters, aren't they? Cut to the empty shelf. Christopher? Santa points back to the foyer where his unconscious werewolf, Steve, was dumped. Mrs. Z is fucking pissed. Flo, I swear to you, he's the only one in here. You know I wouldn't have. It's not your fault, Mr. Claus. He's right. There's no point in pointing fingers now. I'm going to ask all of you to come with me now. Uh, we see the shard agents and our intrepid heroes exiting the room and heading for the front door. They pass a bookshelf full of board games. Hannibal pulls a dusty Connect 4 box from the stack. Can I borrow this? I suppose. It's a long flight. My, my brother and I used to play all the time. Maybe we can have a game. I can't tell if that was a very bad attempt at flirting or not. Hannibal grins and passes by her just close enough to get some shippers in the audience going. <laughs> Depends on if it worked. She smiles, amused. Uh, right now my intention is more to build witty repartee in a dynamic. I'm not going to be doing Colonel Zimmer, but I'm not saying that's never going to happen. <laughs> I'm just nipping it in the bud that I'm not gonna. I'm not working in a romance subplot between Colonel Hannibal. Please, I believe the ship meant the ship name is Zanibal. <laughs> That's much better. Wow, there he is. It's Hannibal. All right. Uh, as they exit the house, Hannibal's lit cigar reappears in his mouth. He half chuckles. Magic. <laughs> Hell of a thing. The shard operatives climb into their fancy jet, leading handcuffed Rami and Co. into the back. Hannibal, Santa, and Mrs. Z get in the sleigh. So where to now? Hannibal tilts his head back and puffs a beautiful smoke ring. It floats into the night and perfectly frames the moon. At the Shard Moon Base, we meet director Marcus Rage, Idris Elba, the gruff and tumble leader of Shard, who sports Idris Elba's natural British accent in two eye patches, one bleach white and the other pitch black. Two eye patches? Yeah, one over each eye. Okay. Of course, it would be ridiculous to have two over the same eye. Yeah, I guess so. We're not one for flights of fancy here, Jackson. 
He's standing in a lobby-type room, arms folded. Gorgonites scurry oh, to and God. fro in tiny toy-sized lab coats and tiny toy-sized <laughs> clipboards. We hear an archer say something about a power dampener. I send you out on a simple mission to recruit Santa Claus, a witch, and bring me a single board game. There was a recall. Choking hazard. Putting a piece inside your head is the surest way to wind up dead. I'm glad you all find this so goddamn amusing. Mr. Claus, I'm Marcus Rage, director of... I know who you are, Marcus. You wrote me letters for 15 years. You believed in Santa until you were 15? 19. You learned to write when he was four. <laughs> when he was four. <laughs> I was right, wasn't I? He motions them to follow. It doesn't matter now. I found you your pilot, Colonel. They enter the enormous conference room. The ceiling is glass, and through it we see the earth hanging in the void of space. Sky Captain is sitting at the table with his feet propped up, reading the interior pages of a newspaper. The headline proclaiming, Podcast Host Returns After Showdown Kidnapping. What's Into the Woods 2? And why does anyone care? It, it's mysteriously vanished. Captain, I have some people I'd like you to meet. Sky Captain does that thing where he lowers the top of the paper without putting it down to denote they have his barest attention and none of his respect. Jesus, those two look as old as I'm supposed to. He doesn't point, so Hannibal and Santa look awkwardly around. Mrs. Florence Zimmerman doesn't, because she knows it's not her. She looks <laughs> fucking good. She approaches the table and introduces herself. Mrs. Florence Zimmerman, I am as old as you are. It's a pleasure, Captain. My husband Alphonse was a great fan of yours. I was in New York when the giant robots attacked. That's impossible. You look so young. I'm not sure if I should direct your attention to a mirror or to Santa Claus standing just over there. Captain, this is Colonel Hannibal Smith. He specializes in the ridiculous. He'll be running point on this. I still don't know why my boys aren't in on this one, Rage. Baracus has his strengths, but I'm not sure fighting Illuminati werewolf clones is something he's ready for. <laughs> and I am? You don't see Illuminati werewolves, Colonel. You see problems to solve. You see a falling tank and you don't think about how impossible landing it safely is. You think about how to save the lives of the men inside it. You see werewolf clones and you don't ask why, you ask how. T to stop them. An embarrassed silence. Does the captain know what we're up against? Well, I know what werewolves are, but the other parts are a little beyond my grasp. You don't seem too thrown by any of this. My best friend. <laughs> It's like you're getting more William Shatner as you go on. <laughs> My best friend was possessed by a demon of hell during a blood ritual we found by following an ancient Norse compass. I've been around the block, Miss Z. She hates that. Oh, I know. This is your goat roping, Colonel Smith. Uh, so here, I first time, Hannibal downloads about the mission details. For some time, Shard has been aware of the presence of the Illuminati, a shadowy organization with a singular purpose and a chilling motto, Omnia Ab Uno, or Everything from One. They move secretly, discreetly, behind the scenes and control vast resources. Unlike the modern conspiracy theory, the Illuminati don't run the world. In truth, they channel their resources into looking for three objects, three seemingly innocent board games. The head of the Illuminati is a woman named Janet Thorncrest, a picture of Janet's projected... Mrs. C mentions that she met Jane in the 60s in Washington, D.C. She was responsible for, quote, the JFK affair. Everyone but Mrs. Z and Sky Captain snort at choosing the word affair, considering JFK's many supposed affairs. She gives them a stern teacher look, and, they all, and they're all chastened. Back to business. Shard doesn't know why they want the games, just that they do, and the games contain some great power. 
Mrs. Zimmerman fills in the details. In some of the more obscure Christian apocrypha, there is reference to Ar-Yam-Yi, the Enochian word for forge. These sects believe it was what God used to create everything in the beginning. It could possibly even be God itself. On the seventh day, it was inexplicably split into three pieces. The texts all agree on the point that it broke into heaven, earth, and the bridge between. The consensus decided this was metaphorical. It was a psalm to be mulled over, but there were some who thought it was literal. Some who thought it was literal naming. Mrs. Fort Zimmerman holds up a picture of Jumanji. Earth. Zathura. Heaven. And Fjord's Fury. The bridge between. Sky Captain comments on the difference in this name. A bastardization. In the old tongue, it was called Fjorn Fury, or for the bridge. <laughs> the, the point is that somehow, for some reason, the Aryam Yi fractured into three board games and scattered across the globe, and the Illuminati have dedicated themselves to finding them. Well, they have them now. Can we track them? No. Yes. Which is it? <laughs> no. Yes. Unless you know something I don't, Mrs. Zimmerman. The box Jonathan, God rest his soul, sealed the game into is warded in such a way that I will know when and where it is broken. So we have to let them get what they want before we can try to stop them? Santa pulls a huge bag of chips from inside his coat. They all look at him like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Missing the motivation behind the looks, he adds, Oh, I, I have some, some cool rants if you want. We cut to the Illuminati HQ. Jennifer Aniston is sitting in front of Luigi's cell. <laughs> I don't know why they keep having he'll be nude in this, but he's clearly nude, but in that normal, not necessarily tasteful, but definitely not NC-17 way prisoners who are being tortured are on TV and movies. This might have been actually a porn parody now that I think about it. <laughs> It really doesn't have to be this way, you know? We could be friends. Friends don't put friends in cells. Cops put fr- Sorry. <laughs> friends don't put friends in cells. Cops put people in cells. Surely you've heard of us, Mr. Mario. Yeah, actually, you look kind of like the girl from the Ferris Bueller TV show. Friends didn't come out until a year after the Super Mario Bros. in the movie. <laughs> I get that a lot, Mr. Mario. You have me at a disadvantage? You can call me Jan. Why am I here, Janet? It's actually short for something a little longer. Janet Lynn? Janetiel. Swedish? Heavenly. You see, Mr. Mario, I'm what you mortals would call an angel. And the identical werewolves are what? Cherubs? Oh no. Those are a little something of our own. The British government dabbled in werewolf soldiers back in the aughts, but they stumbled at the first hurdle. The problem was the virus likes bloodlines. Fun fact, this strain actually started in America, but George Washington himself expelled the line back in 1777. We've tinkered a bit and managed to work around with clones. We thought about making them invisible too, but even we thought that was too much. What do angels need with clone werewolves? They're terribly useful for finding things. Things like board games. Go find the Walmart. <laughs> These aren't those kind of games. So like Carcassonne? <laughs> More specific. Oh, boy. These games go back to the dawn of time. You see, when God made the world, he used the Aryam Yi. Problem is, he couldn't stop tinkering. By day four, he already had notes on what to tweak. And it was really stupid stuff, like changing ennui from a feeling to a distinct, semi-pleasant smell. <laughs> Some of us feared mankind would be subject to these tweaks. So while God rested, we acquired the forge, and we smashed it. Unfortunately, that left us stranded on Earth. We called ourselves Aluma, meaning the lost. Luckily, the Aryam Yi cannot be destroyed, only broken. 
we've spent the recorded history of this planet hunting for the pieces. Fjorn Fjori was the first. When it struck Earth, it opened and started what you call the first ice age. Jumanji was harder. We almost had it in 1869, but it was hidden from us. Buried somewhere until the late 60s. It washed up in France and made its way through the continent. Our man picked it up in Italy and smuggled it out of the country in the early 2000s. We see Detective Fabio Vinciguera slipping Jumanji into Mr. McGuire's body bag before it's taken out of the hotel in the Lizzie McGuire movie, He Done. Without the Zathura, Mr. Mario, heaven is closed to us. We just want to go home. You haven't gotten to the part where I care. I'll make it brief. We cannot use the games. We are banished and forsworn. We need someone of Earth, but not quite human, to join the games. Go to hell. Possibly. If the human bridge isn't entirely in our corner, or if God is still angry with us. Understand, Mr. Mario, we are not in want of volunteers. We chose you because your enhancements give you a much higher survival chance than the average man. We don't want to kill anyone to get home. You volunteer, and you ensure we don't. I don't help oppressors. Okay, Crusader. You just sit tight, then. Jane leaves, calling for lights to be turned back on. Heat lamps in the cell walls flare up. We pan in on Luigi's miserable face as, he, as the sweat starts to form on his skin. Then it mysteriously seems to be sucked back into his skin. A wide shot of the cell in full. For the briefest second, we see the ghost of Mario Mario flicker in and out of existence. Back at the Char Moon base, the gang is around a table covered in files, maps, and blueprints. So, we need to infiltrate an impregnable building. Dodge security that recognizes and reports humans somehow skirt invisible men. Dad clones. I can't believe you didn't warn us about the invisible men. Dad clones. You're gonna die on this hill? I didn't tell you because as far as we knew, they were for internal security only. They tried letting them out into the field and they just all went back to the DNA donor's house. What is it with the Illuminati and clones? So, somehow skirt invisible dad clones, steal back three magical board games, and then get out? The plan seems sound. The plan always seems sound. You got something to say, Captain? What's the plan for when one of us becomes a Nazi demon behemoth, Smith? What's the plan when they have a doomsday weapon we don't know about? You make a plan, and then a wrench gets thrown in it. Then we're improvising. I say... Why even make the plan to begin with? I may not look it, but I'm an old man, Captain. My father used to read my brother and I your stories. Your definition of plan is laughable. There wasn't a threat you didn't tear ass into and two-fist your way out of guns blazing before anyone had a chance to think, so you'll forgive me if I don't take your notes too seriously. A beat where they stare each other down. And it's Colonel Smith, Captain. I apologize, Colonel. Uh, This is all great. (laughs) But we still don't know how we're going to get the games out. Hannibal is rolling a small, flat tech disc across his knuckles. That's where it gets interesting. We leave the shot on Hannibal's cigar clenched in his mouth, staring down at the map and files. External, Illuminati HQ. The team is standing around the street from a towering skyscraper. They're all wearing lab coats. We see a movie theater marquee promoting Jimmy Neutron 2 Gone Dad, The Rocky Horror Truman Show, District 9, Homeward Bound, and the Emoji Movie Licensed to Meh. This is where the warning was broken. It doesn't scream you look about. It really does. Except sometimes. They all look at him. He shrugs. I know. Planes and punching. I can try to be part of their team or not. These contacts are really starting to chafe. I'm not a fan either. The toy boys say these will help us see any invisible trouble. Dad clones. What we need is some way to make them, like, extra (laughs) visible. 
What does that even mean? I have no idea. Just stick to the plan. We'll be in and out in 15 minutes. You're up, Mrs. E. They enter the store they're standing next to. We pan up and see it's a fancy downtown metropolitan Good Burger. They all head straight to the bathroom, ignoring the shocked looks from the patrons. We see Gwynefer and Paul from Christian Mingle the Movie in a corner booth. Paul breaks off a clearly really long and uncomfortable scene of trying to choke down jalapeno poppers. We also... Oh my God. We also see Madge, Courtney Cox, sitting in a booth, facing out the plate glass window, reading the newspaper. She's clearly staking out the Illuminati building because she's cut obvious eye holes in the newspaper. As they pass the counter, Hannibal waves a vague badge in their direction. Surprise inspection. We cut to the team exiting a door in the skyscraper. We can tell it's inside because a few of the people milling around are Steve, Romy, and or Michelle in security uniforms. We also see invisible dad clothes standing in corners, peeking around door frames, keeping watch, and generally just snooping. Some are pulling fanny faces at RMS clones. While we can see them, they're not entirely opaque. Hannibal hands Sky Captain a small metal rod, clearly some kind of device. Mrs. Z cocks her head like she's heard, or more accurately, sensed something. She turns and takes off in that direction. Hannibal tries to get her to come back, but she's not listening. Sky Captain starts after her. Don't worry, Colonel. I'll see she's alright. This isn't the plan. Oh no, the plan's falling apart. Who could have guessed? and rounds a corner after Mrs. Z. We see him drop the metal rod into a trash can as he goes. It's just me and you, then. They set off towards an elevator. The doors ding open right before Hannibal's finger touches the button. We hear Jan's cheery voice from within. Colonel Smith, Santa, hi. Welcome to the downtown office. We cut to Sky and Mrs. Z. They're moving down halls past guards and doctors and generally just office-type people. An invisible dad is laughing hysterically as he sits on a copier, pants around his ankles, photocopying his butt. <laughs> the pictures are all blank. <laughs> Mrs. Z keeps cocking her head from side to side, almost like a dowsing rod. Sky is close behind, just happy to be off-roading and getting up to no good in enemy HQ. They come upon a very securely locked iron door. Sky looks at the advanced handprint keypad. He cracks his knuckles and kneels in front of the pad. Just give me a sec. A little something I picked up from your boy toys. Mrs. Z gives him a look that is half scandalized and half scolding. No. Hold on. Sorry, your toy boys. He meant the Gorgonites. He starts blowing on the hand pad to fog it up so the last handprint will work. Mrs. Z tuts, does some curly magical cane tricks, and then presses the tip to the door. She gives Sky Captain, who's still trying to fog up the scanner, a withering look as the door starts to shimmer as if it were a waterfall. Sky Captain gets to his feet, drawing his gun. Too right. He charges through the door, and we hear gunfire on the other side. Mrs. Z sighs heavily and follows through. We cut to that side. Sky Captain is standing next to Mrs. Z. He's got some blood on his fingers. Just a flesh wound. No need to worry, Miss Z. She doesn't answer as she's staring straight ahead, her face colored by an intensely red light off screen. Is it just me, or is it hot in here? <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Z reaches up and turns his head to look on the screen. We cut to what they're looking at. It's two cells, and the left one is Luigi Mario huddled in his cell, the heat lamps beating down on him, and the right is a Rami. Good God. He moves to the control pad by the door and starts exhaling on the buttons. When that doesn't work, he draws his pistol and starts smashing it to pieces. The door is, unsurprisingly, still locked. He turns to Mrs. Z. A hand, Mrs. Z? She does the trick again and points at the cell. Sky Captain moves through the bars. As he's unstrapping Luigi, Mario flickers in and out of being. Sky Captain, having seen none of this, drags Luigi's surprisingly dry body out of the cell. Mrs. Z frowns, having clearly seen Mario, thinking. We hear a hacking cough from the other cell. Mrs. Z, her attention drawn, moves to this cell. Interesting. The DNA donor, I presume. I always if. We're all kiss babies. <laughs> this hangs in the air for a minute. Useless sex has changed. No. Nope. 
Oh, sorry. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, useless sex. My favorite kind of sex. Yes. Good band name. Unless sex has changed drastically since 1939, I'm confused. It's what we call ourselves. They're like lifted from the DNA of all these three kisses. I have additional questions. Rami starts coughing the kind of cough people who aren't long for this world cough. She turns and retches. A swirling gray magical mist erupts from her mouth. What the hell is this now? It's like she's terribly ill and somehow it's affecting her aura. Is there a reason it would be corrupting you? Or you don't have a soul. None of us do. You seem pretty intelligent to be part of that us. It's like a total fluke, apparently. One in ten thousand clones end up as being a perfect recreation? So they locked you up? Apparently, I'm like super dangerous to them. I think I have free will. They think I'm going to... <clears throat> Use it to start a rival werewolf, Illuminati or something. She spews Aura again. Hold that thought, darling. She walks over to the unconscious Luigi. She looks squarely into the air above him. Sky Captain steps next to her. What are we? Mrs. Z holds up a finger to silence him. Concentrating, Mario flickers into existence and Mrs. Z snatches a hand out, grasping his shoulder. Mario doesn't flicker out again. No one seems more surprised than him. Welcome back to the world, Mr. Mario Mario. This sounds made up. <laughs> this here's my brother Luigi. We were plumbers in New York till we got sucked into this whole thing with alternate dimensions, semi-dinosaur people, and princesses. Then a whole second thing where I was brainwashed and Luigi helped him throw off the shackles of hegemonic power structures that perpetuate economic and social inequity. When did the flickering start? Well, a wizard took my body and started making this thing. Body tampering, of course. How long between visible periods? Six, maybe eight minutes. Come with me. We cut back to Hannibal and Santa. They're staring into the elevator with Jan flanked by several RMS guards. How's it going? It could be better. Oh, I know. We caught you pretty quick, didn't we? Not all of us. You mean the captain and Mrs. Zimmerman? They'll catch up with us a little later, after they've busted Mr. Mario out of his cell. She motions them into the elevator. Come on in and I'll give you the tour. They don't move and the guards start low-key growling. They get into the elevator. It starts to rise, and we hear an elevator music version of The Time Warp. After a long enough silence that we can pick up what the song is, Hannibal says, in an homage to Winter Soldier, Before we get started, does, Jan reaches out an arm and slams Hannibal's head into the elevator wall. He seems dazed, but is still standing. Jan is smiling pleasantly. The elevator stops, and Mrs. Z, Sky Captain, and Luigi are shoved into the elevator. You should have let me kill it! My conscience is clear, Captain. Captain, a pleasure to see you again. They all give him suspicious looks. Charmed, I'm sure? The elevator doors open and they exit. We see a ludicrously large office, like an entire floor of a skyscraper is her office, big. It's luxuriously decorated with thick purple carpeting and dark mahogany paneled walls. Dotted all around, either on plinths or on the walls, are various artifacts. Mrs. Z examines, with some horror, a crystal containing the ghost of Adam Maitland from Madison's Beetlejuice 2 pitch. (laughs) Hannibal is peering intently at two cross staves topped with glowing orbs from Madison's <laughs> vampire's assistant pitch. Energy crackles, and we hear the faint lilt of a circus calliope. Sky Captain is standing in front of an oil painting of a floating city of connected pirate ships. An adult man, his younger adult sister, their mother, and a twinkling light soar overhead from my hook two pitch. 
We pan left to Santa and Luigi staring at a haunting painting of three witches. One is holding an AK-47, the other a grenade, and the third has a rocket launcher over her shoulder. There's a really old-school-looking shipping tag hanging off the bottom. Santa checks it, and we see faded ink that reads, R. Dandy, Portobello Road. Jan clears her throat off-screen. The team makes their way to where she's sitting behind an enormous ornate oak desk. Hannibal, both hands behind his back, flashes them knowing looks as they line up in front of Jan. So Rage's new toys came to play. Well, I'm sure we can offer you a far better offer here. I've seen what you have to offer. That nasty business with John? That wasn't anything to do with me. He wanted the book, and I wanted something from him. She gestures to her desk where Zathura is sitting. Information. So now that you have what you came for, what then? We go home, Colonel Smith. Simple as that. She's an angel. The games are three parts as... We had our own briefing earlier, son, and we know about the games. The angel part's new. We're called Aluma, the Lost... Jonathan always said you were real. Damn, I hate it when that man Furby is right. <laughs> you know what happens when even one game is used. If you put the games together, who knows what you're going to unleash on this earth. Without God pouring his power through, it's just a bridge, Mr. Claus. Earth has nothing to worry about. Even if there is some minor effect. Aren't we owed this? He would have tinkered you out of existence if we hadn't gotten involved. Now all we ask is a chance. Surely you of all people would be willing to grant us that, Mr. Claus. Chris looks uncomfortable. We can't take that risk. You can't stop us. We're too powerful. The captain begs to differ. Nothing happens. Hannibal looks at him and Sky Captain shrugs. I gave you the power dampener. The doohickey? I left that behind. <laughs> that wasn't the plan. I don't know what a plan is, remember? I tear ass in... <laughs> I tear ass in... in <laughs> no. I tear ass... Hold on, hold on. I tear, I tear ass, ass in. in and two fists no. my way out. Okay. I, tear, I tear ass in and two <laughs> fists my way out. Jesus Christ. I should have made Jackson do this part. No. They wouldn't have betrayed me like this. Oh, I would have. That's fair. You all would have. Gentlemen. No, hold on. Can we, Madison, will you just try to line one time when you sure, just sure, say the first time? I tear ass in. And two-fist my way out. Gentlemen. They turn back to see Jan muttering to herself as magical energies swirl about Zathura. What's she doing? Mrs. Z is doing some complicated wand work, counterspelling. She's channeling the magic. How do we stop her? We need to grab the game. Hannibal and Sky Captain both say, On it. On it. No, the power will kill you. It has to be Chris. Santa hesitates. She hasn't done anything yet. I can't just... Sky Captain moves toward the game. For the love of... I'll do it. I'm tougher than I look. Stay back, Captain! They tussle a bit for position as the magical energy begins pulsating dangerously. Just before it explodes, the flood nozzle sprouts from the base of Luigi's neck, visually a la Wolverine's claws, and zooms to move Sky Captain and Santa out of the way. Hannibal tries to cover Mrs. Z. The screen is drowned in the magical energy. When it clears, the office is empty of all people, furniture, artifacts, and paintings. We cut to the North Pole, where we see two lights, one purple, the other gray, arcing through the sky and crashing through the roof. Inside, we see the elves running around like chickens with their heads cut off, as Hannibal and Mrs. Z try to clamber out of the present mountain. I'm going to kill you, Christopher St. Nicholas Kringle. Easy, Mrs. Z. That's not going to help. It'll make me feel better. It'll make us all feel better, but we need all the help. He looks around, realizing no one else is there. We need... He sees the elves and draws his gun in shock. Down, Colonel. These are Chris's elves. 
Is that one flossing? We try not to talk about it. They wander around the house and offices. I'm not sure how to dialogue this out. That won't take seven straight minutes. So basically, they get an appreciation for the scope of how many people ask Santa for help. I think it's structured as a scene where they go through his mail and call it like, see, he didn't even help this Harold kid. And then the elves rush around finding letters that prove that Harold is kind of a shit. But so are the people who think Harold is a shit. The basic premise is that the web is so intricate, helping can also hurt. It's not a position that holds up under a huge amount of scrutiny, but it works here. He needs to know if they're good or bad, so he sets an opportunity, a test. I'm not saying what he did back there was right. I'm saying that I, above all, can relate to seeing all the moving cogs and losing perspective on the big picture. I hate when you make sense. Fine. Maybe I won't kill him. The elves rejoice. Where do you think they are? We cut to Santa, Luigi, and Sky Captain sitting in a booth as the can-can happens all around them. They look dazed and confused. Somehow, they are now wearing tuxedos and top hats. Green, red, and blue magical aura slash smoke respectively rise all around them. What the hell was that? Wait, I know this place. It's the Moulin Rouge! Didn't they turn that into a theater? Didn't it burn down in World War II? I don't want to alarm you, boy, but I think this is also 1899. My parents met here in 1899. We should get some absinthe while we're here. Hello, Luma, Forge, end of the world, remember? That's not 419 more years, Chris. We can have one drink. Santa looks around the surroundings, clearly tempted by being in the Moulin Rouge in its glory days. Uh, fine. One drink. Cut to Luigi and Sky Captain being holy shit-faced. Everyone I know or love is dead! Yeah, well, my only family was dead. And then the wizard dug him up and made him a monster. Maybe we should lower our voices. What? What? (laughs) (laughs) What's your deal anyway, kid? It's complicated. I'll say, when me and Mrs. Z saved Wedge from his cell, and they had heat lamps blasting on full blast, but he was all dry as a bone. Then, back in the office, he spreaded some kind of nozzle. It's a flood. Flash liquidizer ultra dowsing device. We developed it to combat mecha Yoshi mobs. It allows a constant offensive stream, limited hovering, and intermittently a rocket or speed option. I totally forgot these characters are shit-faced and I wrote that very technical description. <laughs> it's a connection! I was wearing one when I went out of the tower. I I think it's part of me now. Forever. Offensive is right. The smell back there. I was filled with smell, my dude. You remember I was being tortured, right? At least you had people to turn to. Shard woke me up and then left me alone. He begins singing a cover of Irving Berlin's All By Myself. All by myself in the morning. All by myself in the night. I sit alone with a table and a chair. So unhappy there. Playing the solitaire. Alicia, a freak, a monster. Luigi begins singing a cover of Monster by Imagine Dragons. I'm only a man with a
Sky Captain and Luigi have a sort of duel of who's more of an outsider for a bit. They probably dance across the club and up on tables. At one point, they return to the booth, still on the table. Santa slams his cup down, having had enough of their shit. He mounts the table and grabs them by the scruff of their necks and launches into a cover of Pet Venetar's We Belong. As Chris finishes his song to stun silence in the Moulin Rouge, Luigi begins singing a thematically upbeat and introspective cover of We Are Not Alone from The Breakfast Club. Things are clear and black and white The living color tends to dull our sight Like dynamite Then two Sky Captain Just imagine my surprise When I looked into your eyes and saw Through your disguise we dare expose our hearts Just to feel the purest thoughts That's when strange sensations start to grow Sky Captain takes up his verse Lying high above the sky The patterns on the low looks simplified A good place to hide But I'm inspection of the dust I came upon this thing called trust It helps us to adjust All three begin singing joyously. We are not alone. You find out when your cover's blown, there'll be somebody there to break your fall. We are not alone. Cause when you cut down to the bone, we're really not so different after all. They slump back into the booth seats and Sky Captain points blearily towards the door. Holy shit, I think that's actually my father. We see Christian in the company of his bohemian friends entering the Moulin Rouge for the first time. Your dad is Toulouse Lutric? We need to focus on getting out of here, fellas. He looks around and both are passed entirely out. We hear a voice off screen. Uh, hey Kylie, you want to give me your best uh, impression of the Duke from the Moulin Rouge? Jesus. I've never seen Moulin Rouge. Oh, ew. I mean, I can make it up. Alright, go ahead. Is this table available? <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and the Oscar goes to... Santa says it is now and hauls the past at Luigi and Sky Captain out of the booth. He rests them against the side of the booth and turns to the count. One thing, though. He punches him really fucking hard in the stomach. That's for the frog, you shit. He hoists Luigi and Sky Captain under each arm and walks out as the count heaves for breath. There's a bit in the first movie where the Count just, like, stabs a frog with his cane, and Brittany brought up how he didn't get punished for that, and so... Yeah. Back at the North Pole, Mrs. Z is holding Hannibal up on her shoulders as he tries to climb up the chute, Claire tumbled through or whatever, in the Christmas Chronicles. The elves are cheering them on from the ground. Remind me why I'm holding you? Propriety dictates, you said, in a 45-minute lecture. It wasn't 45 minutes. One of the elves pipes up unintelligibly, energetically. Whose side are you on? 
Back in Paris, 1899, Sky Captain groans awake. He struggles his way to a sitting position. A third weird use of verbs. Santa is sitting in a chair watching him, drinking a piping hot cup of cocoa. Luigi is still out. Welcome back, Captain. What time is it? Tomorrow. You drank like you don't want to live, son. Don't son me, Chris. I'm almost a hundred years old. It's cute that you think you're anywhere near seniority in this outfit. You got any idea how you and the plumber are going to get out of here? You and the plumber? Not... Us? I don't belong in the 21st century, Chris. Everyone knows it. I don't even know how to fly planes in the 21st century. That's my one thing I know how to do. Imagine if you forget how to deliver presents. You belong with us in the 21st century more than you ever belonged here. None of us fit in. Hannibal's an outlaw genius. The kid's an ex-plumber turned dimensional freedom fighter. A walking, talking soda stream. Florence is probably an immortal hermit witch who lives in an old house with a grown man she adopted in the 50s when he was 10. And I'm fucking Santa Claus. Sky Captain storms out. Luigi wakes up as the door slams. So your elves have a union, or...? Sky Captain makes his way down the streets of Paris, passing day drunkards and at least one person filling their car's engine with absinthe. He's muttering bitterly to himself. At a street corner, he stops and surveys Montmartre, the center of the Bohemian Revolution. He freezes as, across the street, he sees Jan. She's wearing period-appropriate guard and seems entirely unaware of Sky Captain's presence. He begins tailing her. Basically, I'm going to hand-wave my way through this for time and ease. It's, this is 1899's Jan. Sky trails her to a bank. Along the way, she speaks with a few people here and there. At one point, she directs a horse and buggy to wait on a seemingly deserted street. Jan executes her plan perfectly, and at some point, Sky Captain tries to interfere. Uh, they meet, explaining how she knew who he was in the elevator. Sky Captain gets an appreciation of a perfectly and intricately executed plan. Uh, I think he tries to stop her at the very end and she gets away. As he's left on the corner with his hat in hand, we see the absinthe car from earlier careen at an inhuman speed around the corner. Sky Captain tackles a newsie out of the way just in the nick of time. He rushes to the car and pulls the driver out and drags him to safety. The car explodes in a cloud of green fire and smoke. We see Kylie Minogue's face briefly in the cloud. She gives Sky Captain a cheeky wink before her face disappears. A woman comes tearing across the street and takes the newsy boy in her arms as Sky Captain takes off. We hear her chiding him. Al Fon Zimmerman, what have I told you about watching for drunk drivers? Sky Captain freezes when he hears the name, looks back over his shoulder, smiles, and heads back towards where he, Santa, and Luigi were staying. At the North Pole, Mrs. Ian Hannibal are playing Connect Four, bored. You know, the captain's brash, but he's not wrong. You sit in your corner and play with your toys, and the rest of us watch and wonder if we're one of them. I'm not sure if he can be trusted. What about me? Hannibal wins. What do you say we make it more interesting? Colonel, if the next words out of your mouth are strip connect for, I swear. Hannibal puts another token in the board. Mrs. E cocks an eyebrow at him. Back in Paris, 1899, Sky Captain comes back to their lodging and finds Santa and Luigi deep in discussion. But if the elf sees the means of production, then I'm just the mailman. <laughs> what is the sweat of their brow you're profiting on? You know I don't get paid, right? Sky Captain clears his throat. They both look at him. I think it's time we got back to 2019. What changed your mind? I just realized the old man and Mrs. Z are doomed without you. And without me, you're just stuck here. Got an idea? Worse. I might have a plan. We see Luigi sitting in a chair, shirtless. Sky, Santa and Sky Captain are standing amidst tables laden with full absinthe bottles. I got the idea from a car crash I saw today. Uh, that's not reassuring. We know he can get some serious speed on, so all we need is to get going fast enough to break through the space-time. Weren't you the one saying you couldn't even figure out how to fly a plane? Now you're talking about space-time? 
I paid some attention. Go on. I saw a man fill his car engine with absinthe. He thought it was going to be cheap fuel. What it did was quadruple his speed, so... If we fill the kid, we can do the same. Smart. Santa looks at the full countless bottles of absinthe. Get drinking, Luigi. Actually... You weren't listening. He was dry under the heat lamps. Cut to Santa and Sky Captain pouring bottles and bottles of absinthe over Luigi's head and splashing him on his exposed skin. Somehow, Luigi doesn't look wet at this all. This is a weirdly sexual subject. <laughs> yeah. I'm super, yeah. I'm super realizing now how... How much in slow-mo is this scene where they're covering his body? What song is playing during it? She's marching. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> We cut to them on the street, Luigi now fully dressed. Way down the road, Santa and Sky Captain are standing. They exchange a glance and Sky Captain waves his top hat. Luigi begins sprinting. After a couple seconds, the nozzle comes out and starts blasting a green trail as the zoom power activates. Luigi picks up unimaginable Barry Allen-like speed. He opens his arms wide and scoops up Santa and Sky Captain just as he breaks the time-space barrier. Santa and Sky Captain look on in awe as we get a Speed Force-esque scene of pure energy all around, sometimes showing quick flashes of various scenes. We see Maggie Banning holding her newborn nephew. We see Daniel Radcliffe on a broom inhumanly stretching his arm to catch <laughs> Tweety Bird. We see a plane flying away from an island with the dead body of Epps, Juliana Margulies. We see an entire congregation singing Hey Jude. We see Bradley Cooper as face skiing down a mountain behind a plane being chased by snowmobiles. We see Danny from Hocus Pocus 2 shooting Winifred Sanderson with a rocket launcher. <laughs> we see Tony Shalhoub the Mountain Leland framed in snowfall. We see Eddie Murphy duking it out with an alien being feeding on electricity. Luigi stumbles and somersaults back into real space-time. The three bodies skid to a halt in a heap, just barely touching the pile of presents Mrs. Z and Hannibal are perched on top of. They get their feet as Hannibal and Mrs. Z slide down the pile to greet them. Hannibal shakes hands with Luigi and Sky Captain as Mrs. Z approaches Santa. He opens his arms to hug her and she slaps him really fucking hard in the face. That's for hesitating. That's fair. She hugs him deeply. They break apart just after the hug is long enough to be touching and just before it gets weird. She rubs a tear from her eye and turns to greet the other two. Hannibal approaches with an outstretched hand. So what now, big guy? Santa's face is determined. They better watch out. Hannibal looks at the rest of the team. We're beat to hell and all alone. You got anything for that? We can back to shine through my bag, but let, but let the tide shot and my sleigh's on the moon. So we're stranded. Unless you have some kind of deus ex, yeah. There's a thunderous knocking sound echoing from the house and factory. Cut to them opening the front door and we see Nathan Knight shivering on the doorstep. He motions toward a waiting jet. <laughs> we're back at Shard and it's the suiting up montage. Hannibal gives a monologue over it. So I'm going to read the scene and then the monologue bit that goes over it after I describe the scene. Hannibal is fastening one of those Velcro knife flaps that soldiers have on their combat uniforms. He's wearing a Kevlar suit reminiscent in texture and fabric to Captain America's shield suit from Winter Soldier. Multiple holsters across the waist and legs. The chest has a built-in bandolier slots for ammo rounds. He's meticulously filling them. He turns around and we see one bandolier-type slot on his lower back that he slots a freshly cut cigar into. They think we're scattered across time and space. She thinks she's already won. It's cliche, but believe me, that's our advantage. I know that you think I'm a foolish old war dog muttering about plans, sitting in a corner, moving people like chess pieces. I know you think I failed you. Failed everyone. Mrs. Z's in a crisp new purple dress with a dark purple leather jacket over the top. She's testing her arm movement with a sharpened walking stick, her wand affixed to the top. She finishes her maneuvers by dipping the sharpened end into a bubbling pot in her room's fireplace. She withdraws it after a second or two and we see it's covered in molten silver. But I've been here before. 
This moment when everything seems lost. When we seem lost. Santa is donning his classic Santa suit because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. He's looking at a piece of paper. He sets it down and begins combing his beard very thoroughly. When he finishes, he nods at his reflection approvingly, then checks his paper again. We have to do this. No one else. No more half measures. No more talk. It's time to fight. Luigi is sitting in a running bath, decked out in his classic overalls over an updated green classic Luigi outfit. He's <laughs> capped it off with that classic green Luigi hat. The clothes are not wet, and the level of the bath isn't rising. We faintly hear that Super Mario Sunshine sound effect of a filling flood. Chris says we belong together. Maybe we do. Maybe we're a team. I think we'd make a better support group for the criminally weird. But what do I know? Maybe that's what heroes are. Sky Captain staring into a bathroom mirror, his dope-ass new bomber jacket unzipped. Underneath it is, you guessed it, Kevlar and leather. He's loading a pistol without looking at it. He finishes, holsters it, nods to himself once as if a decision has been made, and then turns and leaves the bathroom, shutting the door behind him. It doesn't matter anymore. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. Even if we're just trouble, we're damn good trouble. Today we put aside everything that's come before, and we get this done. We save the world. Luigi enters the briefing room. Several screens are erected and are showing world maps. Santa looks up. You good? Bremen, Mr. Claus. I think it was probably my first name, kid. Where's the captain? Sky captain enters slowly. You know, I had the chance to stop her in 1899. I heard. She got away. Obviously. You told me I tear asked. (laughs) (laughs) You told me I tear asked my way out into trouble and two-fisted my way out. You weren't wrong, but I stopped a lot of bad guys that way. I saved that boy that way. His name was Alphonse Zimmerman. Mrs. Z is shook. But if we're going to save the world, we're going to need a lot more than these two fists. There's a beat. So what's the plan, Colonel? We need to find the games and quick. I planted a tracker in Jan's office. This is voiced over a flashback of Hannibal looking at those two staffs. He discreetly places the tech disc we saw him playing with in the first meeting on the plinth. But it's only reliable up to 10 mile radius. Grimoire scanning as many magical channels as they can, but we're coming up dry. A phone next to Hannibal rings. He picks it up and puts it to his ear. After a second, he looks confused, and he hands it to Mrs. Z. Mrs. Z takes the phone. On the other end, we hear the Rami wolf from earlier. But while her voice is still Rami's, something's off. Hello? Mrs. Zimmerman? It's Mario Mario. A pleasure, Mr. Mario. How's the arrangement working out? Luigi looks shook. Glad to hear it. Could I speak to the young lady? Hello, Rami. To what do we owe this pleasure of your call? We don't hear the reply. We'll be right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Goodbye. She hangs up. How did my dead brother just call you? It's a long, long story. What's all this about, Mrs. Z? I know where we need to go. We're going to need something first. They're walking through the hangar where several shard agents are prepping fighter jets and troop carriers. Rage is walking alongside the team. Mrs. Z has a bundle under one arm. We're wheels up in 30 minutes. I want to see all five of you with the games when we land. Chris, you take Luigi and Mrs. Z. I'll fly with the captain. Are you sure? I still haven't got quite the hang of these planes. That's why we're taking yours. He points to a large blank spot where a plane should be. Rage into a comm says, Light her up. A plane becomes visible. It's got new plating and slightly sleeker look, but it's clearly Sky Captain's old plane. Arnold comes from off screen checking its... I don't know, vitals? (laughs) Yo... It's lit. <laughs> Whoa. Vitals. I planned that. Uh-huh. I've had this for a while. After we found you in the ocean and it became very clear you weren't mastering our tech, I fast-tracked the upgrades. 
Sky Captain scales the plane and looks in the cockpit. The parts are new and shinier, but all the instruments and controls are the same style as when he flew it in the past. Director, I... It was my pleasure, Captain. This plane's been in my family for a very long time. Passed down all the way from great-grandma Frankie. He touches the black eye patch, among other things. Wow. <laughs> Goosebumps. I know. They do that forearm clasp that passes for an emotional handshake, and Sky Captain climbs back <laughs> up, sliding into the cockpit. He dons the comms helmet. Uh, Daniel, I believe you were Arnold. All right. Let's wait for that to pass. I called an ambulance in every city where you all live just to make sure one was passing at the exact time I needed it. Yeah, yeah. It was a good time. Sky Captain to ground control. Confirm? Confirm, ground control. You ready for this, Arnie? It's been a while. I may need some help. Over. My name is not dead. There's a beat where Arnold feels seen for the first time. Confirm. Did you just ask for help and get my name right via a nickname? Over. Confirm, ground control. Or do you prefer Arnold? Over. Arnie's fine. Over. A beat. Let's give him hell, Sky Captain. Roger that, Arnie. Good luck, ST-1. Pardon? Strike Team 1, that's your designation. No, no, that won't do at all. Yeah, we need something cooler, like the Avengers. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's copyrighted. Oh yeah, well, what about the Avengers? <laughs> With an E instead of an A. They all look at each other and shrug. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Alright, good luck, Avengers. I'm saying it with like almost with an E sign instead of an A, but I won't. If you say Avengers, I'm not going to correct you. Like I generally say Avengers. <laughs> Chris Slay takes off, followed by Sky Captain's plane. We're getting so sued. Smash cut too. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? Great. Standing on the other side of the counter is the team. They push past them and head towards the kitchen area, each testing and probing various kitchen gadgets, clearly looking for a hidden switch. Mrs. Z stops in front of the strawberry jacuzzi. Colonel? I think it's here. She takes a spatula and stirs the strawberry shakes. Suddenly, it goes rock hard and she lifts the whole thing out of the pot, revealing a clearly magical rune. Mrs. Z mutters a spell and taps it with her wand. It glows brightly and she climbs in. Like so. She stamps one foot on the rune and disappears. We cut to Hannibal appearing in an underground compound. The rest of the team is already there, using implied time lapse to save the audience the drudgery of watching all of them do the thing. There's an antechamber, dark and dimly lit by candles. Dark and dimly lit. Uh, there's an antechamber, dark and lit by dim candles. So where to now? We wait for my contact. With all due respect, Mrs. Z, I know my brother's dead. Oh, quite dead. That doesn't mean he's gone. Now I'm going to need you to prepare yourself for what comes next. A Romy clone steps out of the shadows. Sky Captain and Hannibal draw their guns on her and Luigi's flood nozzle activates in the spray position. Mrs. Z gently pushes the gun barrels down. The clone, Romy, was a one-in-ten-thousand fluke. Created as a perfect mental as well as physical replica. She has free will. Unfortunately, she doesn't have a soul. Whereas Mr. Mario is a soul in want of a body. I simply brooked the timeshare. The Romy wolf waves a hand. Possession flow? Isn't that a little dark for you? Not at all. I won't bore you with the details, but both parties agreed and will benefit immensely. As long as they merge at least once a week, they can lead very independent lives. Though I suspect they'll find life together full of opportunity. Basically, I've created a werewolf that's also a clone of Romy and the ghost of Mario Mario, uh, Firestorm. <laughs> oh my yeah, yeah. god. The wolf approaches Luigi. The eyes flash red. Romy's voice takes on the Mario vocal affectation. So I need you to do an impression of Romy doing an impression of Mario. For sure, sure, for sure, okay. for sure, for sure, for sure. Good god. Hey, crew. <laughs> <laughs> that was Tony the Tiger. <laughs> Hey, kid, it's-a-me. 
They reconnect, and Mrs. Z hands over a bundle. As you requested. We cut to Romy in the same updated outfit as Luigi, except for Red. Most of them still not entirely sure about having one of the werewolves on their team. The team moves ahead, following Romario deeper into the fortress, or whatever. Jane is standing in a huge dome room, the three games laying side by side on an altar. Next to her, we see Waluigi, the tall man in purple from Super Mario Bros. Colon the movie, colon two, colon Mario is missing, colon the movie. In front of her is a legion of Steve, Romy's, and Michelle's. Oh, hi guys. You... She sees Romario. Mario, Mario, as I live and breathe. I like the new look. We have some business to settle. Lady, you've <laughs> tortured my brother, and you've locked this nice lady up. Give me just half a mo to finish something up. She nods to Waluigi. He opens Jumanji. The drum beats begin. Energy thrums through the chamber. We're just getting the bass down. Grounding the bridge, if you will. What's the plan now, Colonel? Hannibal draws his gun. Sky Captain smiles and does the same as Santa pulls a cricket bat from his coat. Mrs. Z's wand lights up, ready, and Luigi's flood nozzle extends into the hover position. Romario's eyes flash yellow as they hulk out into a werewolf mode. We close up on Hannibal. Now? Now we two-fist our way through these fucking werewolves, Captain. He glances awkwardly at Romario. No offense. None taken. Hannibal faces front again to find Santa's hand in front of him holding small liquor bottles and a roll of electrical tape. What are you doing? Oh. Uh, sorry, I, I misread that. A little reference to Madison's favorite movie, The Grey. Oh, man. Also starring Liam Neeson. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> we get a good shot of slobbering, panting wolves lined up across from our five heroes. Romario throws back their head and howls. They charge. Santa cold dusts in the air as Luigi launches next to him. On the ground, Mrs. Z and Sky Captain rush in as Hannibal stands back. The ranger, if you will. We see Santa rematerialize in the middle of some wolves. He just starts swinging the bat every direction, knocking wolves into the air. Hannibal snipes them from a distance. They're dead before they hit the ground. Meanwhile, Luigi hovers, reaches its limit, and the water stream cuts off. As he starts to fall, he tucks his knees to his chest like a cannonball. Purple magic crackling around him as Mrs. Z grabs him and slams him into the ground harder than normal gravity would allow. Once Steve Wolf looks up and the last thing he sees before he is pancaked is Luigi Mario's magic ass. <laughs> wolves are flung everywhere as Luigi ground pound rocks the room. Three wolves break off and charge her. She twirls her staff and runs one of them through with the silver tip of her cane. She stamps her cane once, magic infusing it, and she spear hurls it clean through four more a la Yondu's arrow in Guardians of the Galaxy. Grinning in delight, a hostile Rami wolf approaches, thinking she's undefended now. It lunges at her, jaws open. Two ghostly wolf hands punch through the chest and rematerialize. The arms rip the werewolf in half. Romy stands behind it, panting, one eye red, the other yellow. Next to Mrs. Z, Hannibal laughs. Told you. Okay, I'm sold. Sky Captain is fighting back-to-back with Luigi. They lock arms like they're about to do a chimney climb, and Luigi hovers them into the air. One of the Michelle wolves throws back her head and roars at them. Sky Captain drops a grenade down her throat. She shuts her mouth and gives the camera, now in close-up, that classic comedy, "Uh uh-oh, look before she blows up. I think the effects here are definitely minimal blood and like an explosion with scraps of fur and not like chunky, gunky flesh. At the altar, Waluigi is opening Fjord's Fury. An alpine horn is heard and the energy in the room thrums harder. The mountain sprouts beneath their feet and shoots them skyward through the dome, through the good burger overhead, and into the sky. The energy thrums even harder. Precariously perched on the mountain, the Avengers check over and over comms. If they open that last box, the forge will be complete. Regroup on the ground. Chris? You sure about this? We can't take her now. I might have a shot. Stick to the plan. You never mentioned this. We could end it now, Colonel. Trust me, Joe. A beat where Sky Captain has to choose. He aims in a different direction. Copy. I'll cover. 
Chris breaks the cricket bat over a Romney wolf's head, turns, puts two fingers in his mouth, and whistles sharply. We see the sleigh arc into the air and shoot toward him. He hops in, and with a quick circle of the perimeter, he picks up the rest of the team. From the altar, we see them fly off, Romario clutching the side, one foot on the runner hanging off. I love it when... Waluigi opens the thur and for a second we see the majesty of foreign space and alien constellations. Then the thrumming stops. With a deafening boom, the jungle becomes a beam of energy that encompasses the mountain and consumes the heavens. A bright white rip in space-time the size of a mountain and reaching for the earth to the sky pulses. Jane smiles serenely as she seemingly disintegrates into the glowing particles that flow into the bridge. We see, as across the world, other people we recognize smile seemingly disintegrate into the same particles, some surprised, some not, and float up and away. And the list of Illuma is as follows. Larry Bird. Sinbad as... <laughs> Sinbad as the teacher from Good Burger. Christian Mingle Stanley, the Admiral Tobolowski. Alex Borstein from Catwoman. Joe Morton from The Pest. Riley Finn from Buffy the Vampire Slayer from Meet Dave. Reese Witherspoon's character from Penelope. The neighbor from Invisible Dad. Ace, the Cool Dog 2 roommate. Samuel L. Jackson from A-Team 2. Inspector Fabio Vinciguera. Gertha Teeth, Kristen Shaw, And Gorma Limbs, Jane Krasowski from Vampire's Assistant. Then we see Nick Cage sitting in the secret room under his tomb in New Orleans. He smiles and tilts his head back to accept the ascension. Nothing happens. He looks disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> the Avengers land in the middle of a shard field HQ. Rage is staring at the rip. Why is it that every time you go after those damn games, the situation somehow gets worse? We planned for this, director. The rest of the Avengers look at him like, what? We were never going to get those games. She's had too many resources and too long to plan this. We were never going to get them off her by force. So, what was the point of the last three days? False sense of security. Why didn't you tell us? He didn't trust us. No, he needed us to sell the lie. If we knew it was a sham, she would have known it. What makes you say that? Chris is a terrible liar. Uh, fair. I'm sorry I lied. You followed me. My plan. It wasn't the plan you thought, but you did it perfectly. The real plan was never to beat her here. He says this as he looks at the forge, smiling smugly and putting a cigar in his mouth. His reverie is cut short as a horde of mecha yoshis come pouring out of the bridge. What the hell? The bridge tore down the wall between heaven and earth. That kind of power ripples out. Who knows what damage it did in there? Sure enough, we see damn souls emerging, and the only way I can make it clear these are the lost souls thanks to Ghost Ship is by telling you it now. <laughs> <laughs> Also, we see other souls emerging. Tim Burton-style grotesque as the bureaucracy of purgatory is broken. Did you plan for that? I did. And? Hannibal looks at the team. You're the plan. I'm going to stop her, but that left this mess to clean up. I told you, Chris. I get the best of the best. You four are going to hold them here, and Joe's going to fly me into that rift. You want me to fly us to heaven? Just me, kid. I got a special job in mind for you. Sky Captain nods and heads for his plane. Hannibal looks at the rest of them. Look out for each other. He gets in the plane. A sky captain's firing up the engines. Hannibal calls out, Oh, and Florence? You're in charge. Mrs. Z smiles fondly. I was always in charge, Hannibal. The cockpit closes on Hannibal chuckling, and Joe takes off, aiming for the forge. Mrs. Z turns to Luigi and Santa. We now also see the ghost of Mario Mario standing among them. They've already got a werewolf perimeter set up, and more pouring out of the crater that thing left by the second. Not to mention those dinobots. If and until the captain returns, you're our air support, Chris. Santa nods and hops in his sleigh, taking off. She looks at Luigi and Romario. Let's go make some trouble. They take off running at the Yoshis as Shard's forces mobilize. Foot soldiers, aircraft, artillery, etc. 
inside the bridge. Sky Captain's plane is nearing the rift. You sure we'll make it through? We'll make it. The plane breaches the rift. We see the ECU cosmos before us, each realm rotating the others like planets. The space all around and in between is the gold white light. We see Looney Tune land rotate past, followed by the People's Mushroom Republic. Mecha Yoshi's pouring into the ether. Rotating vertically around the Earth, we watch a small planet of pirates and lost boys pass by. The lost boys, sensing a great shift, have flown up to the barrier and are waving and making faces at Hannibal and Sky Captain. Some are poking the barrier. We see the membrane-thin dimensional division bulging out with their pokes. In the distance, we see heaven and hell rotating around Tim Burton's Beetlejuice Purgatory. Ahead, not quite to heaven yet, we see the beams of particle light that are the Illuma. Next to them, we see the forces of the damned making their way to the open door whenever hell rotates across the bridge. Sky Captain clearly wants to take shots at them. Steady, Captain. You'll be coming back for them once you drop me off. I'll need you to try and buy the others as much time as you can over here. Hmm. Dimension, Captain. The plane breaches heaven. Back on Earth, Santa arcs through the skies, surveying the mayhem below. Occasionally, he'll drop ammo or supplies. More frequently, it's water for Luigi's flood. He swoops low when Romario grabs the runner as the sleigh takes to the sky again. At sufficient height, they let go and plummet, claws first into a group of werewolves. As they get to their feet, Mario Mario goes out of the body and into a Steve Wolf, both ready up to fight and see a pack of Mechayoshi surrounding them. Then a great earth hand, wreathed in purple magic, reaches up and scoops them all up and crushes them in a fist. Rage and Agent Knight mount the fist, guns blazing in all directions. Uh, how long can we keep this up, sir? As long as we have to, Agent. In heaven, we see Hannibal standing in a plaza of sorts, rich white marble on every surface. He's watching Sky Captain fly back into the rift. He turns and puts a cigar in his mouth and walks off camera. We cut to behind him, and we see the plaza he is in is vast, like football stadium vast. Hundreds of thousands of people are lined up in one direction, facing an incredibly long flight of shallow stairs leading to an immense golden gate. Think classic heaven gate. As he walks, Hannibal pats down his pockets and finds the Punxsutawney Larry's matchbook from before. He chuckles to himself about how far he's come since then. He strikes a match, and before he can put it to a cigar, we see an angelic face pop out of nowhere, blow it out, and then disappear. Hannibal looks confused and tries again. Same result. He lights a third one and slowly moves it towards the cigar, sensing senses on alert. When the angel appears, lips puckered, Hannibal clamps a hand over its mouth. He shakes the match out and turns to the angel, we now can tell, is played by Dev Patel. I'm going to take a shot in the dark, St. Peter. St. Peter nods, and Hannibal lets go of his face. I need to see the big guy. Should we all yes. say it once? Yeah, oh, all at the same time, yes. I need to see the big guy. A lot, a lot of, of people, people are waiting, waiting to see, see, him. see him. You'll, You'll just have, have to wait your turn. turn. I don't have time. We don't have time. This is an emergency. Well, well seeing as it's an emergency, I can pencil you in for four to six millennia. I hate and love all of you. Hannibal gives him a hard stare. I'll see what I can do. Hannibal is moving through the lines of people towards the enormous gates. They open silently as St. Peter approaches and closes behind him. Hannibal looks around. He's standing in a beautiful, verdant garden with tall, shady trees and merrily trickling fountains. Paths fork into varying directions, and we see small, quaint little villages dotting the far countryside, as far as the eye can see. I kind of accidentally cribbed the good place without meaning to. (laughs) Yeah. On a distant hill is a great throne chair hundreds of miles across, built, clearly, for a god. Cut into the hill are a winding set of steps. They head for the steps as we pan up to the brilliant golden white sky. We pan back down as they gain the top step. Approaching the throne, we see the Illuma standing before the seemingly empty throne. As St. Peter clears his throat, Jane looks utterly baffled to see Hannibal there. On the seat of the massive throne is a smaller, man-sized throne. 
On it sits God. His head is obscured by a thick, glowing cloud. His voice booms with gravitas and unearthly bass. Hannibal Smith, I didn't expect to see you so soon. The things I've done, I'm surprised you expected to see me at all. It cannot be a coincidence that you arrive so soon after the Aluma. Are you here for vengeance? I remember reading your thoughts on vengeance somewhere before. I'm only here for justice. He points at Jan. Is there something you want to tell me, Genetio? Lord, I... She's cut off by a recording of her own voice repeating the entire plan. We flash back to Jan's office just before they get teleported. Hannibal has his hands behind his back, holding the recorder. In the present day, Hannibal is holding that recorder. Prosecution rests. Jan is very pale. Very clever. I'll shut the bridge. People have already died, sir. I think she needs punished as well. Cast her out. You don't command me, Hannibal. I never meant to, but she's not staying here. And if I do not cast her out? I'll do it myself. This hangs in the air for a second. I'd like to see you try. He has not commanded it. I demand a trial by combat. You know our ways surprisingly well, Colonel. <laughs> leave it. It's no, no. No, leave it. It's great. You know our ways surprisingly well, Colonel. Eh, most places have trial by combat. Except here. If you lose, you'll be cast into hell instead. Oh, I'm not going to lose. Very well. He claps his hands and Hannibal and Jan are standing facing each other from opposite ends of a long, clear field of battle about the size of a basketball court. Hannibal cracks his knuckles. It's not that kind of combat, Colonel. <laughs> Sounds like it's some kind of fucking Kryptonian name. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what kind are we talking? Haven't you been playing attention? The ground rumbles and shakes as a great wall starts to rise up from the middle of the field. We quickly notice there are enormous round holes in the wall. As it finally rises to its full height, it's clearly an enormous Connect Four board. Wow. Your trial by combat is Connect Four? We are above such petty games, Colonel. Our ways are beyond your mortal comprehension. <laughs> the border shutters slightly and letter-number combinations etch into the marble below each hole. A1, A2, etc. Begin Connect Five! <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a second and shout out Alex Greyhawk, who actually mostly ended up conceiving this twist of a board game and that Connect 5 would be their like heightened idea. <laughs> uh, normally when I'm trying to think of a story, I talk to Jackson, but I wasn't going to talk to Jackson, so it'd be a surprise. And so Alex stepped in to help me brainstorm this bet. Jan calls out her first number. A plain white marble disc drops from the sky and falls straight into the slot she picked. You thought you'd catch me on my back foot by following me here? Hannibal doesn't answer. Instead, he calls out his number. A glowing gold disc drops from the sky and slots into place on the board. Throughout their back and forth, slots are called and pieces fall into place. A real cat and mouse game. All your little plans weren't enough to stop my perfect plan. So here you are. To what? Punish me? You want to hear a perfect plan, Jan? Indulge me. In the ether, Sky Captain is laying heavy covering fire, strafing the entrance to the rift. The mobs are thicker now, and many of them are still getting through. As Neverland rotates past again, we see the Lost Boys are prodding the dimensional barrier with all manner of knives and swords, not wanting to be left out of the great game. Finally, they tear through and start soaring around. Ground control. I've got... boys? Repeat, Sky Captain? Just a lot of boys tearing ass around here. Are they hostile? Captain smiles and clicks on a PA system that he has for plot reasons. Welcome to the fray, lads. My name's Joe. One of the Lost Boys lands on the nose of the plane, sitting cross-legged. He studies Sky Captain through the cockpit glass. He pulls a long, comical face. Joe pulls one back. The boy laughs and launches from the plane, crowing. The other Lost Boys fall into a flying formation behind Sky Captain. The boys are friendlies. I repeat, the boys are friendlies. We think they're Lost Boys. 
Intel says they're rascals. Any advice, Arnie? They're kids, Captain. Ask them if they want to play. Who wants to play a game? They crow. Whoever stops the most monsters gets a candy. They laugh and crow and full tilt charge the mobs moving toward the bridge. On Earth, Santa leaps from his sleigh, hair wild from the fray, and scoops four wolves up in it, cinching it shut. We see the wolves tumble into the North Pole and the elves descend on them with the viciousness they almost unleashed on Teddy in the Christmas Chronicles. Mrs. Z hurls her silver-dipped cane at a werewolf. As it pierces through, it once again arcs like Yondu's arrow from Guardians of the Galaxy. It passes Romario, eyes mixed red and yellow. They grab the cane and rapidly stab four wolves and two Mecha Yoshis and then hurl at another wolf. We see it pass through and continue its quest as Romario charges at a flock of Mecha Yoshis. They ghost through one and turning back, we see the eyes are pure yellow. The Yoshi they charge through turns, eyes pure red and launches at its neighbor. Via the red eyes equals Mario possession system, we watch the ghost hop from Mecca to Mecca as it demolishes the horde. Romy Wolf is tearing into the damned right next to them. A blur of green as Luigi zooms past, tearing a line through the enemy combatants. As the zoom wears off, he leaps into the air and lands a fast kick into the chest of a damned soul who's emerged from the rift. He backflips off the chest and lands next to Romario. You know, the last time we fought like this, I lost my memory. We fight like this much longer, and we're bound to lose our lives. In heaven, you're facing a superior enemy. They have recorded history to move their pieces almost imperceptibly. They plan for every obstacle. Victory is assured. How do you beat that? You don't. Exactly. You keep them thinking about the three games they're going to win. You make a good show, put together a team, ostensibly to beat them, shed a little blood, really sell it. But in reality, you pick people who are pathologically incapable of actually stopping the enemy's plan. The rebellious pilot, the man who won't fight. The enemy thinks it's a misstep when actually you've put together the exact people you need to fight off the inevitable horde the enemy's victory assures. We get a quick compilation of Sky Captain crowing with the Lost Boys as they make a hell of a mess on the bridge, the rest of the Avengers as they fight their way through more enemies in a really fun and interesting way like what I've already described before and I'm rapidly running short of new cool fight moves to mention again. But then you're left with the Angel and the Forge. The perfect plan was always the simplest. Attack her where she's unprepared. Appear where you're not expected. The supreme art of war is to subdue the enemy without fighting. I never needed to beat you for three games. I only needed to beat you at one. And thanks to you and Mrs. Z, I had a lot of time to practice. We flash back to the North Pole where Hannibal and Mrs. Z were playing Connect Four. Colonel, if the next words out of your mouth are strip Connect Four, I swear. Hannibal puts another piece on the board. Mrs. Z cocks an eyebrow at him. I could use the practice. Mrs. Z stares at him in horror. Hannibal leans back in his chair smiling at her like, What do you think? About another game. She thinks for half a second, nods, as she slides the stopper to let the pieces out. As far as plans go, it's not the worst. You're mad, but I wouldn't have signed up if you weren't. Hannibal drops his first piece. We use frankly brilliant camera trickery to morph to the current game. We see the board as Hannibal's last piece slides into place. Connect five. I just needed to play the fool long enough to get here. Jan shrieks in anger and despair. The board rumbles back into the ground. God descends to the field. Excellently done, Colonel. A deal's a deal. He turns to Jan. And the rules are the rules. But... God steps out of the cloud, and we clearly see it's Stan Lee. He holds a finger to her lips. <laughs> he holds a finger to her lips, stopping her. And Kylie, I'm going to have you just in your best Stan Lee impression. Oh, God. Enough said. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Toe to tip. That was a Stan Lee. Beautiful. Jan melts into and then through the floor. Hannibal nods grimly, satisfied with the outcome. 
but not happy. Well, it's been swell, but I'm not looking to take up permanent residence. Uh, go ahead and do the God voice, Jackson. I won't make Kylie try to continue the Stanley voice. Of course. We'll have plenty of time when you're here next. This unnerves Hannibal a bit. I'll close the forge once you're through. Shame, though. I have some really good ideas of how to update ants. I'm thinking much bigger and tentacles. <laughs> oh, well, a deal's a deal. So, you know, I can't destroy the pieces of Aryan Yi. Actually, I know a guy, maybe the smartest guy, who has this philosophy you might like. See, he finds people who are on the brink. They need a push, a chance to be better people. Seems like supernatural board games could pull some of the weight for him. Scatter him around a little. Help people. Aren't board games a little old-fashioned these days? Video games, surely. Still, I think it's a fine idea, Colonel. Good luck. God snaps and Hannibal is in the back of Sky Captain's airplane. So, don't freak out. Sky Captain freaks out. <laughs> Thank you. We won, Captain. Get us home and the big guy will shut the gate. Can Chris do that? Sorry, I meant capital T. The big guy. Sky doesn't move. Instead, he grabs his radio and PAs. This is Sky Captain calling Lost Boys. Mission accomplished. Repeat, mission accomplished. The Lost Boys continue to kick ass. Sky Captain looks back at Hannibal, slightly embarrassed. He clicks the radio again. Game over, boys. You won. The Lost Boys throw back their heads and crow into the void. They take to the sky. It's time to go home. They fly into the Neverland portal as it rotates past. As soon as the last one is clear, Sky Captain punches it through the rift. The plane shoots back into Earth, firing all guns at the assembled enemies. As soon as they're clear, the portal begins sucking up the enemy combatants the way that Jumanji did in the original movie. We get some fun comedic shots of Mecha Yoshis churning their legs in midair trying to stay on Earth. We see the damned and the less damned of Purgatory being sucked back in. Sky Captain whoops his plane around and fires at them anyway, just in case. As the last Mecha Yoshi is pulled back into not Earth, the bridge seals itself. The clear sky visible where the rift had been. We see three beams of energy firing off in various directions. Mrs. Z, leaning heavily on her staff, pants for breath, her face streaked with dirt, ash, and blood. She looks over at Romy, who howls to the sky in victory, the ghost of Mario Mario hovering beside. Did we do it? I think we did it. <laughs> Santa lands to slay next to them as Luigi ends his zoom just next to them. Sky Captain lands his plane nearby. The Avengers reunite. Director Rage and Agent Nathan Knight approach as we see medical personnel flock the field of battle. I, Colonel, Avengers, how I... I think in all that gratuitous pausing, he's trying to say, thank you? Thank you. So it's over? There's only one way to know for sure. They all look at Hannibal. He reaches around to the single bandolier slot on his back. He pulls out a broken cigar, the front half dangling by the smallest scrap of paper. Everyone looks let down. Didn't I teach any of you anything? One step ahead is in a plan, predicting an enemy's moves before they make it. He peels open the Velcro knife flap. Instead of knives are six cigars. He tosses one to each Avenger. That's a plan. Rage looks a bit put out that he wasn't included and slinks off. <laughs> Hannibal lights his first. I love it when a plan comes together. A bit later, Rage approaches the contentedly smoking Avengers. He checks his watch. I hate to say this, Colonel, but people who want to see you in jail are coming. People who outrank me. Monstrous. He just saved the world. Too right. They want Hannibal. They have to go through us. I really can't get involved in that one. It's alright. It's not saving the world, but I do good work as an outlaw. Besides, I'm not leaving my men behind. He looks at Sky Captain. I don't know what's next for you, but I could use a lift back to L.A. Sky Captain nods. Your chariot awaits. There's a weird energy. No one wants to be the one to say they don't want to break up the band. Oh, for Christ's sakes, this isn't goodbye. This planet can't go more than two weeks without something going wrong. We'll see each other again. A beat where Hannibal blows smoke from his cigar plan on it. 
He grabs his cigar out under his heel and climbs into the plane. It's 173 days to Christmas, Captain. If you're looking for work, you know where to find me. Sky Captain salutes Chris as the cockpit closes. The plane taxis and takes to the sky. As it takes off, Mrs. Z turns to Luigi and Romario. You're both, of course, welcome to come with me to Michigan while we try and figure out how to get you home. Luigi looks at Romario, who shrugs. There are worse plans to figure out our arrangement. I go where Mar- Romario goes. They walk towards the Shard field base. Rage and Agent Nathan Knight watch while field medics approach and start patching them up. You're just gonna let them go? Unless the boy didn't beat her, we don't need them right now. It seems he did. Our London agents on the ground have no recollection. No reco- have no recollection. <laughs> Our London agents on the ground have no recollection of the last 12 hours. But we're still alive, so... Did he keep it? Apparently he threw it in pond. The boy Merlin is currently at large, but... Oh, we can give these Avengers at least an afternoon's head start. A beat. Keep tabs on them, obviously, but from a distance. Uh, all this is a preamble to promise that the ECU will absorb the boy who would be king in the next 51 episodes. Yes. We begin hearing the original rendition of Pat Benatar's We Belong. We see Mrs. Fort Zimmerman entering the new Zebedee house with Luigi and Romario Mario. They are introduced to what appears to be a 40-year-old Lewis played by Christopher Mintz-Plass from Kick-Ass or McLovin from Superbad. He just, to me, looks like an adult version of the kid who played Lewis. We see a trail of green energy appear suddenly in the sky late at night. It arcs down and crash lands on a beach. The text reads, Brantford, 1996. We see Sky Cameron's plane landing at the North Pole, elves with blueprints already plotting present delivering modifications. The Christmas Chronicles family is there, and Sky Captain and the mom are probably making fuck eyes. We're looking at the stairs leading up out of a basement. Off screen, we hear someone scrambling, pots falling everywhere. Suddenly, Zathora is under one of the stairs, smoldering with black magical energy. We see men in black suits and tricorn hats sweeping Jan's office for bugs. Behind the desk, a woman stands with her back to us, watching these two other men in tricorns take down the Illuminati crest and hoist the Mason's symbol in its place. <laughs> One of the sweepers approaches with Hannibal's small tracker. The woman turns, and we see the head of the Masons, played by Helen Baxendale, Emily from Friends, smile as she sits down behind the desk, crushing the disc in her bare hand. We see the bright blue energy as Fjord's Fury arcs into the city of Miami. It plummets and then passes through the front windows of a moving car, almost knocking over the pest and unfortunately not killing him on the spot. <laughs> we see Hannibal, now in his regular shirt and suspenders combo, a bag over his shoulders making his way from a landing strip toward B.A. Baracus's van. The screen zooms in on the block of the van and becomes a black screen. Credits roll. Mid credit scene. We're in an abandoned parking garage. Krampus is leaning against a pillar, juggling coal. Good evening for it! He says into thin air, Ferryman emerges from the shadows. Long time, Ferryman. I've been busy. Kyla, you can be B. This is basically Katie McGrath from. Or if you know who that is, she was in Merlin. Just do a, a, a different female voice, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Sexy British lady. Do a different voice. When shall we three meet again? Bridget steps into the light. B. They definitely fucked a lot of times in the past. They're standing really close and staring each other down, one daring the other to make the first move. Neither do because the sound of clanging footsteps. They turn and we see a fully realized metal Mario. What are you looking at? Well, not that this isn't a hoot, but which one of you called me here? I did. The apocalypse monger emerges carrying a small wooden case. I told you to stop calling me. Well, this time, I have something you'll want. Who are you? My name isn't important. You can call me the Apocalypse Monger. I dabble in the end of the world. I had a substantial amount of money placed on the Illuminati pulling this off. Tough luck. 
Indeed. Now all I have is revenge. Well, revenge and these. He opens the small wooden box. We see Totenkopf's baubles. Yeah. Uh, you can each have one on one condition. Each person grabs one. Metal Mario takes the replicate coin. Bridget takes the monocle of future sight. Krampus takes the bracelet of skill. Ferryman takes the dog tags of invulnerability. Bring me the Avengers hides. Post credit scene. The credits end, and we wait on Black for a second. We hear a voice wrapping up a lecture. So, in conclusion, security is a mission, not an intermission. Shard may think we can help, but I believe in us. Hard cut to Paul Blart standing behind a lectern, a really shittily made poster that reads, Avengers Reserves hangs behind him. Oh my god. (laughs) So, Avengers Reserves? Assemble! (laughs) Cut to the assembly. We see Cool Dog, Dave, the Wizard Gordo, and Catwoman. They're not enthused. Oh my god. Cut to black. With the text, the Avengers will return. Wow. End of movie. (laughs) Wow. (sighs) So, Madison, I have a very important question for you. Did I do it? You did it, for sure. The webs, the the arcs, the character voices, it was just amazing. Now we can all die. Now we can <laughs> all die. Like, right now, it's fine. I'm, Goodbye. I, I'm, I'm, Bye. I'm good with my I'm, fading. I'm good with my life right now. Mm-hmm. Very well. I haven't changed at all. I'm going into the light. <laughs> uh, so I want to thank Daniel, Kylie, and Jackson for being here, but also Madison and I would like to thank all of our guests from the last 51 episodes uh, that couldn't be here jesse fleming janine winfrey Brittany mean cecilia long and i guess even jesse cooper <laughs> without whom i guess we wouldn't have the board games that launched all that led me down this path so uh also thanks to idris helba um, yeah patrick uh, stewart uh Dwayne the rock johnson mike myers the concept of math the concept of math <laughs> props to math props to math metaphysical tomatoes um author of tale of two cities charles dickens <laughs> The big guy upstairs, without whom the bridge would still be open. I mean, yeah, Paulie um, Shore, that guy up there is really doing a lot of good things. So, if we did it, that's credits on another episode of The Equalizers. Madison Jones, tell the people where they can find us. People can find us on Spotify, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Podbean, and everywhere else podcasts are found by searching The Equalizers Podcast. And as always, we spell that E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel. Like in sequel. Uh, you can get in contact with us on Facebook and Twitter at The Equalizers. Gmail is equalizers at gmail.com. We have an Instagram. It is the underscore equalizers, where you definitely have seen by now us teasing the hell out of this one. Yeah, posted today. Special thanks on the Avengers theme. Death Note tribute goes to Feslian Studios. You can enjoy all their royalty-free tracks at www.feslianstudios.com. Uh, please review and subscribe. Tell a friend. Tell ten friends. Have them tell ten friends. Tell the Pope. Tell God. Just <laughs> write a letter to Santa asking for him to give us a review. I mean, I did. I think I did him pretty well in this one, and so he owes me. Tell the next drive-through attendant about our podcast when they say, "Do you want fries with that?" And you're like, "No, but I will take more equalizers, please." And they're gonna be like, "What's equalizers?" And then you have to explain what equalizers <laughs> is to them, 
And then that's how they'll eventually listen, probably. And then the car behind you, by the time this is taking 45 minutes, <laughs> will have gotten out and beaten you up. And then you can tell that guy, the nurse that treats you, and the doctor, your insurance agent, and then... Then you'll sue the person, and there's 12 jurors. Yeah. You sue them, and so then many you tell people. the 12 jurors. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just... Let's get all of our friends out of here, Madison. And we've been here for a while, so Daniel, nah, do you have anything to promote? Hello, Frecky Wells. This is God speaking. Technical difficulties made Daniel's plugs unintelligible, so I am stepping in to do them for him. After all, God helps those who have technical difficulties, as 2 Kings 2, 23-24 famously tells you. Daniel hosts two podcasts, Audiomorphs, which amounts to bootleg audiobooks of the K.A. Applegate Animorphs book series, and OK Crusader, a highly sinful and not safe for work podcast that seeks to find the most dateable Marvel comic book character. You can find all the information on his website because he's very fiscally irresponsible. Theapocalypse.com. Like the apocalypse, but the C is a D. Like in the word podcast. How droll. Also, in a few seconds, you may think you hear Jackson saying they host the Equalizers. They definitely say gratuitous pausing. Available most anywhere podcasts are found. And if you think differently... You shall be damned to the pit. Well, uh, this has been fun, but the heaven shore wheel says it's my day to make supper, and I've got all the fixings for a teriyaki gumbo, and I think Jack Kirby caught my scent again, so I'm going to go. Excelsior! Jackson Eflin, do you have Hi. anything to tell the people about? Yeah, uh, I'm also part of two podcasts. We've got The Equalizers. We're doing a sports bracket right now where we're taking the top 16 sports movies and uh, making them fight. Uh, I think by the time this is coming out, we're probably... Uh, June doing... 10th, <laughs> if, you, if that helps. It doesn't. I don't know the plan that okay. well. <clears throat> Space Jam is probably happening soonish. Excellent. Um, uh, yeah, and I'm also part of... Uh, studying Granada with Mike, where we talk about a Sherlock Holmes series that you've probably heard us talk about to death already, because, you know... Kylie, Neil, do you have anything to tell people about Satan, um, the old ones, <laughs> Sebastian Stan, anything? Any dark rituals you'd like to just... Yeah. Uh, no, no, I have nothing to promote. Your audiobooks read of the Boxcar Children series <laughs> called The yeah. Podcar Children? That'd be amazing. No, Nancy Drew. I want to do Nancy Drew. Mm. That will last me the yeah. rest of my life. Uh, no, I'm just here for the party. I'm here because I love you. Aw. Uh, uh. No, that wasn't any of you. That was me. This was my girl. <laughs> <girlfriend. laughs> All right. So next time, it feels like we need to follow this energy, this momentous occasion into the new era of Equalizers with an Equalizers challenge. That's right, Madison. You remember that hot trend of black mirror bandersnatch the choose your own adventure thing that was so hot with the kids as we're doing this probably near to six months ago yeah i don't i think i got the good ending i couldn't tell yeah no one let's be honest no one got the good ending no no one got the good well madison i need you to do a choose your own adventure that has at least two places where i get to make a choice 
And I need those choices to lead me to an answer. And that answer, if you'll forgive the misgender, is, where's your car, dude? That's right. <laughs> Next time, Frequels, it is a choose-your-own-adventure sequel or prequel to that hit 90s Ashton Kutcher jam, <laughs> Dude, Where's My Car? I sincerely want to thank all of you for being here for what has been almost three hours <laughs> for <Yes>. this. Um, <laughs> yeah. And be sure to tune in next time for Dude, Where's My Car? Too. So, for the Equalizers. I'm Madison Jones. I'm Jack Snufflin. I'm Kylie Neal. I'm Daniel Nah. I'm Mike Noel. Uh, where's my car, dude? To be continued. Oh, hey, you're all still on mile break. I'm alone in my apartment, that means I can do anything. I'm alone in my apartment, that means I can do anything. But I'll probably just talk to myself about nothing. Probably watch Thor Ragnarok again. I'm alone in my apartment, that means I can do anything. I'm not wearing pants.